Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, Sharp Money, week three concludes tonight. You start Philly at Tampa right now. Philly's laying five and a half on the road, the total 44. And then an hour later, 8.15 East Coast, 5.15 on the West. The Rams are at Cincinnati. The big question of the evening, will he or won't he, Joe Burrow, seems to be some optimism that he will play. That number was two and a half earlier today, has jumped to three. So everybody's sitting with Tampa Lane three, hosting the Rams as, again, Monday Night Football with the doubleheader concludes week three in the NFL and the weekend that was. Speaking of which, we're running through our likes, our loves, and our loathes for week three. Amal Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson, I'm Patrick Maher, and I'm going to get to my loathe right now. And a friendly bet with our buddy Mike Samich. Congratulations to Samich. He was on the Bills the Bills end up closing, let's see, they ended up closing five and a half, four and a half uh, for the Bills at Washington. And my loathe are the commanders because I had some expectations. Uh, five turnovers and a 37 to three beatdown by the Bills in D.C. A sellout crowd, new ownership, didn't matter. Howell was terrible in the game. I got to take a hit from that for that as well. 19 of 29, 170 yards, four interceptions. Uh, you can't do much when you're constantly under duress. He was sacked nine times. He was hit, Howell, 15 times. It might be the worst offensive line in football, that being the commanders, and it showed. That was a 60-minute ass-whooping by the Bills over the commanders, and it was a defense. It's a very good commander's defense, though they've been killed on the run. It's a defense that played pretty well in the first half, but then you could just tell they were dispirited and lost their edge in the second half as the offense couldn't do anything against the Bills. And as an aside, Josh Allen was freaking awesome. There are certain things he can do when he rolls out on the run, throwing against his body, picking up first downs and crucial third down spots that others can't do. Uh, I thought Allen was very good in the game. Uh, 46 rush yards, 218, two total touchdowns. My loathe this week, boys, the Washington Commanders. Got no qualms with that. Sam Howell, four interceptions. This team accumulates only 230 total yards in this game. And, you know, the defense actually didn't play that poorly when you look at they give up 37 points. And how about one other factor in this game? They, they obviously had the pick six as well. But, you know, how about them kicking a field goal with 50 seconds remaining on a 51-yard field goal? Are we that concerned about not getting shut out? Is that the goal here? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, Patrick, you mentioned the O-line. The Commanders have allowed 19 sacks through three games. That's wow. tied for the most of any team over that span of three games since the Texans in 05. And it's the fifth most since sacks became an official stat in 1982. So, yeah, Sam Howell's certainly under a lot of pressure right now. And it'd be really tough for us to, to grade him and judge him based on what he's dealing with with his offensive line right now. But the Commanders are a bit of a fraudulent team at 2-1 and one right now. I think everyone kind of expects them to fall back some. And on the other side for the Bills, 
You think Stephon Diggs is happy? Over 100 yards, eight balls thrown his way, uh, 111 yards total for him. I think Stephon Diggs was happy getting the ball that much yesterday. And just taking a peek, boys, it doesn't get easier for the Commanders. Now, this is an, a game that randomly they win. I think it was on a Monday night last year, and the Commanders beat Philly. And, like, the perfect, remember, they ran the ball very well against the Eagles. But Washington travels 1 o'clock window to Philly uh, next Sunday. And right now, Philly's laying seven points in that matchup. So it doesn't get any easier for my loathe of the week, and that is the Commanders. Amal Shaw, you're up. Yeah, I've got a team in the NFL as well. It's the New York Jets. I mean, this is just an utter disgrace of a football team. Defensively, they're still an elite football team. They give up 13 points. The Patriots wind up with 15, thanks to Zach Wilson getting sacked on a safety. But his inability to spot receivers. And then Robert Sala, in his third year, this is his 37th uh, NFL regular season game. He's coached as the head coach, guys. This is a guy that was 4-13, and 7-10, and 1-2 and so far. Has not been overly uh, impressive. But here's the stat that really stood out to me, guys. Just a quick question. It's a random question. They've played 37 games during Sala's tenure. Any guess at how many times the Jets have scored 21 points or more in a football game? 37 games? Yes. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Ten times? Twelve. Close. And, and I'll tell not you good. what, it's not good. It, I mean, in this NFL where it's designed for offense, think about this. The Dolphins yesterday put up a number that it would take the Jets the equivalent of four games almost to be able to get to in Robert Sala's tenure uh, at this point. The, this, pro, this program right now is in just shambles. You saw Carter and Wilson getting into it on the sideline with Zach Wilson a little bit. Um, you know, you mentioned, I don't know if it was you or Dustin mentioned earlier, Nathaniel Hackett. He hasn't been able to improve this team. Joe Douglas, the GM. I get you guys wanted to build around Aaron Rodgers, but we know what Zach Wilson is. How bad is Tim Boyle as a backup? You can't find anybody. Let Mike White walk away. I mean, there is not a guy out there on the street. I'm telling you right now, Tim Jenkins, the quarterback coach who comes on our show every week, played at Western Colorado. Give Tim Jenkins a call. Come on, man. At this point in time, give me somebody that's going to throw the ball more than one yard on fourth down and ten. Patrick, I can't take it. I don't even understand. This is the bigger question I have after watching that Jets game yesterday. What the hell are you doing with your life on a Sunday if you're attending a Jets game? <laughs> it was depressing. <laughs> Weather was disgusting. Uh, and, again, Zach Wilson had an opportunity to win it. That's the crazy part because yeah. that defense. Uh, but they were just, I mean, it's about as ugly as it gets because you do, like you mentioned, uh, big guy, the defense is tremendous. The quarterback plays about as bad as it gets. Yeah, and I look, in, in fairness to Zach Wilson, really not that much changed for him from last year to this year, other than about four to six weeks in camp when he was the backup to Aaron Rodgers. I don't know how much he could absorb from one of the greatest to do it of all time in that time to then take that next step, but it's not there. It's definitely not there. And at this moment, Robert Sala was asked about Zach Wilson and him being the starter. Here's what he had to say yesterday. Yeah, he's fine. Uh, at, what, at what point do you just decide maybe, you know, you don't want to let the season get away from you? So do you continue to go, like, if it continues to go in this bad direction? We're, we're still we're still early in the season. Um, you know, we knew that uh, even, even with Aaron at quarterback, we knew that there was going to be some hiccups along the way because of the new offense, new play caller, new line, new uh, new new just new players all over the uh, offense side of the ball. And now you've got this curveball that was sent to us. And so there's, you know, they're, they're acclimating and they're, they're going to get better. And, uh, but it's still very early in the season. Is he drunk? <laughs> Hold on. You, let, let, let me give you one more soundbite from Sala yesterday about sticking with Zach Wilson. That's what he was asked. This was his response. And you can respond after. Uh, right now, Zach is the best player on the, in the, um, He's who gives us the best chance to win. Ooh. And, um, you know, so that's basically the, that would be the cleanest answer I could give you. Well, well, I mean, he's being diplomatic, but you can tell he wants to take that lantern that he's standing <laughs> behind and flip it upside down and freak the F out. I mean, he, he sounds like a dude that has to wait wait, wait, and then give an answer that he thinks he's supposed to give, right? There's nothing. What could he possibly say? He should have come into that press conference and said, look, 
Tim Boyle's not good, and Zach Wilson sucks. <laughs> Guys, we have no other alternative at this point in time. If you know anybody, some former high school quarterbacks, some guys who played collegiately, they're under the age of 35, they look like they might have a pulse. Can we get them in here? Patrick, I watched that entire game yesterday, and I have never, ever in my entire life seen a more awful performance out of a quarterback. And the best part was on CBS, they were showing crowd shots. You mentioned the weather yesterday in New York or in, in Jersey at the Meadowlands. The fans, you have to give them credit for their loyalty to this football team. But my God, I was sitting there watching that game thinking people came in from Long Island, from the city, from Westchester, other parts of Jersey. How the hell could you give up five to six hours of a Sunday to watch that big bag of dirt? I mean, it, it was unbelievable how pathetic the Jets were yesterday. I, to me, if I were the Jets fans, I would literally be going back and say, listen, I don't care if you're not going to refund my money. We are not attending another game as long as Zach Wilson is quarterback. There should be a fan walkout on this team right now. I'm just taking a look at the stats because how many total yards did the Jets have? The Jets had 171 total yards, but they had an 87-yard touchdown drive in the fourth. Yeah. So 171 minus. So essentially, they were 90. under yeah. 100 total yards on offense for the game until the fourth quarter in that drive. Yeah, they have three options in my mind. Number one is trade for Kirk Cousins. It makes a lot of sense based on the Vikings' start to the year. He could fit right in and be what they need. Certainly a massive upgrade. They can trade for Josh Dobbs, too. The other option is a little unconventional because this guy's out there. He doesn't have a job at the moment. He's not a quarterback. What he is is a genius at game planning, a unique offense. Paul Johnson would be the third option behind those three and just run the triple option in New York with that defense and win games 10-3. to That's the only way the Jets are doing anything with Zach Wilson right now. I, just to Patrick's point on the yards, I want to add one more thing real quick. These are the Jets' first five drives. Three plays, negative five yards. Five, six plays, five yards. Three plays, six yards. Three plays, negative 12 yards. Three plays, seven yards. Not great. Imagine like uh, Dalvin, well, Cook. Dalvin Cook and Lazard and all these guys who thought they were going there to ring chase, and now they're stuck with this situation. You know what Sunday night football is this week? Jets and Kansas Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs Ooh. at the Jets. We've got a Hall of Famer against a guy who's going to be unloading trucks in Transylvania pretty soon. <laughs> Num number right now, nine over at DraftKings with the Chiefs laying it on the road. <laughs> things have fallen apart. And you mentioned... Did, did anybody have any uh, word as far as what was happening with Carter and the fights on the sideline? I think they were just frustrated. Wilson, uh, Zach Wilson was not hitting guys. If you watch a drive in the fourth quarter, Garrett Wilson on a crossing route is wide open. There's nobody within five yards of him. Zach waits to throw to him until the defender's nearing it, near him, and then it's an incomplete pass. Not even going to do the research on it. I'm just telling you right now, an official play, vsan.com slash picks. Chiefs minus six and a half, first half against the Jets Sunday night football. Bet it now before it moves to over a touchdown. Hey, there it is. So that's a good loath. Mine was a little random with the commanders, but the Jets is a hearty, very good loath. When we return, the big guy has his loath, and then we're going to go out to Cincinnati. Mike Petralia, he's on the beat for the Bengals. Will Burrow play tonight? We'll find out. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiments and Billy made Raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to catch you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on Story Button, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, if you're looking to become a better better, and tens of thousands of people have already turned on to Juice Reel, you should too. That's Juice Reel, R E E L, in the App Store. Juice Reel is not a sports book, it's a tool to help you beat the books. Juice Reel connects all of your sports betting accounts into one app, loads all of your betting history, and gives you analytical edges. Backed by nearly $1 billion in bets from sports bettors in all 50 states. Use the data to follow the winners and fade the losers. Don't place another bet until you've downloaded this revolutionary sports betting tool. It's Juice Real. That's juice, like orange juice, real, R-E-E-L. It's absolutely free to download right now. Juice Real, your iPhone or Android device. Make sure you check it out right now. Juice Real, become a better better. We got you back. It is Sharp Money. I'm Patrick Maher. Of course, I'm all Shaw. Dustin Sweetelson, downtown Fremont Street at the D. Like, love, loathes. We're smack dab towards the end here. I was going to say the middle, but we've got through the likes. I like the upsets across the NFL. Uh, Jalen Milrow for Amal Shaw. Josh Dobbs for the big guy. Our loves, the Dolphins. That offensive explosion. CJ Stroud, eyeball test. Great Travis Kelsey. Who doesn't love love? Loathe, mine's the Commanders. Ron Rivera does it again. Big spot, terrible performance. Uh, loathe for Amal Shaw, the Jets. And we get to the big guys. Loathe. Go ahead. Yeah, I just think this guy's really annoying. Uh, he gets a lot of praise from a lot of people. And he even had a movie made about him where it seemed as though he was a good guy. But really, like, really scummy things happened that led to the movie being made. I'm, of course, talking about Sean Payton. Sean Payton, and I wouldn't take shots at Sean Payton had, you know, he not handled things differently because he blamed Nathaniel Hackett for a lot of things that went on last year with Denver and he was going to come in and fix things right away. And I think everyone knew from the outside it was going to be a longer-term fix than just one offseason with Russell Wilson. But the fact that he called out Hackett and the poor coaching wants me to now call out Sean Payton because what happened yesterday was historic. They lose to the Dolphins allowing the second most yards in NFL history, only behind 1951's Rams versus Yanks matchup, (laughs) which the Rams had 735 yards and the Yanks became a baseball team eventually. So Miami on Denver goes for 70 points, 726 total yards, 10 touchdowns, 376 through the air, 350 on the ground, and zero turnovers. You can't blame Nathaniel Hackett for that. He's got his own issues with the Jets right now. But Sean Payton, this is all you, brother. All you and all the hype around everyone talking about Sean Payton's an offensive guru, and he's a genius, and he's a leader. Amal and I talked on the phone about this last night. Was it Sean Payton in New Orleans? Or maybe it was Drew Brees, who was really good his last couple years with the Chargers before finding his way down in New Orleans with the Saints. I just have some questions, and Sean Payton is already getting a little frustrated. Here's how it sounded when he met with the media following the game, and they asked him about this epic loss. Um, I mean, I, I, 
I'm at a loss for words because I've never been in. I've been on the other side of some games like that. And then every once in a while in this league, you get your butt whipped. But this was more than that. You said it's embarrassing, but this is kind of an historic game. I'm aware. Third time the team has scored 70 points over 70. What's the question? What's the question? I just finished telling you. Looking kind of old, feeling kind of old, and I think the shtick with Sean Payton's a little old. I don't know if he's the guy everyone pretends he is. I'm going to give you guys a comparison. You know who he is, just a little bit more boisterous, and the other guy's very nice and comes across very classy? He's Tony Dungy. He won one Super Bowl. He won 10 to 12, 13 games every year in Indianapolis, just like Sean Payton did in New Orleans. But at the end of the day, when the chips are all in, they could never win it outside of those one years where they had they, they got to play the Bears in a rainstorm game, and Rex Grossman was the quarterback on the other side. And you look at this team, they beat the Colts on the onside kick. Onside kick. Tracy Rocker had a big play. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying they're not good coaches, but, man, we talk about these guys like they're Bill Walsh, Bill Belichick, and other coaches. They're 0-3. And by the way, during that presser that you just played that clip, notice how he started off passive-aggressively. He said, I've been on the other side yeah. of this before. Letting it's like, you know. dude, no, you haven't. You've literally <laughs> never been on the side where you beat somebody 70-20. to 20. Was he So just for the stop Yanks? right there. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it, it's like, impossible for you to be on the other side. We understand what you're doing. You're coming in with your equity. That's why he came into this Broncos job clowning everybody in the, in the regime, as you mentioned, big guy previously hack it in the rest because he feels like he can point to the ring and say equity while they're 0 and 3 sinking ship the defense stinks and frankly if they get behind the offense is not necessarily high power so there's nothing right now to like about the broncos obviously they're 0 and 3 and they better get a win at chicago or against the jets which those are kind of coin flip games because after that in their schedule they go to kansas city they host green bay then they face Kansas City again. Off their bye, they're at Buffalo. It could get ugly fast. Just ask Garrett Bowles. Who's Garrett Bowles? <laughs> Offensive lineman at his locker, just absolutely distraught over this loss again. Last night, he said that this is the same thing over and over again. <laughs> it's uh, tired of losing, man. Uh, I've been here for seven years, and all I've done is lost. And it's frustrating, but at the same time, um, I know the dogs we have in our room. I know the dogs we have up front. Uh, I know the people we have in this facility, this this organization, and we have a winners, and we do. Um, we got to figure it out. We got to figure it out the hard way. But sometimes, you know, when you hit rock bottom, you know, you can't keep going down. You got to go up. <laughs> I don't know, man. Totally. If you go far enough down to the earth, I think you pop out in China, right? Isn't that how it works? You go through the other side, through the crust. Next thing you know, you're popping up the other side. I think he's trying to pop up in China. I, I wish he said, I, I don't know, man. Hey, at least we get paid. <laughs> <laughs> at least it's payday. <laughs> Can't wait for Tuesday. <laughs> I wish he said we went from Nathaniel Hackett to a dude that was played by Kevin James in a movie. <laughs> what do you expect? Wasn't that who played Sean yeah. Payton in that movie? Yeah, and his whole dude. I, I, how have we not brought this up yet? His whole shtick of the juicy fruit and only chewing juicy fruit. He's, look, he's kind of a bag. If we're just going to be honest, Sean Payton's kind of a bag. I, I didn't even understand why rip Nathaniel Hackett. Right? I mean, he got pushed out. And nobody was sitting there clamoring to go hire. Because that dude's so insecure. He opened the press conference with, "I've been on the." Patrick brought it up. Yeah. I, I was on the other side of this. I can coach better than Nathaniel Hackett. Apparently you can't. I'll tell you one thing, though. I think that'll rub some veterans the wrong way. He left Russell Wilson in. That it was a bad move. I agree. That that was a bad decision by Sean Payton. I mean, what, what are you what are you doing? I mean, this is a guy who's won a Super Bowl, been to another one. I mean, I just don't get that decision. Yeah, that could be that could turn quickly into a tox a toxic situation yeah. because you have one dude. That is, you just mentioned, Dustin, maybe a little insecure, kind of over the top with the machismo and the ego, that being Peyton. And then you have another dude that's legitimately a plastic human. Like, you don't even, like, what is this? It almost feels like, hello, am I talking to a real human being? Those super talented on the other side of his, it's not like he's been the issue. I'm not pretending that Russell Wilson's been the issue this year. But if they continue to lose, it does feel like that's kind of a combustible situation with those two. Well, and like credit to Russ, no matter how bad things get, he does the fake positivity thing, trying to speak it into existence. Very curious to see as this goes on longer and longer with Sean Payton, 
if we ever hear some frustration out of Russ, because if we ever do, we know it's real, because he's so good at putting on a face to kind of cover up and just, everything's fine, guys, everything's fine, even though we all see it's not. Real quick, where are you guys on Russell Wilson? Is, I mean, he's There's at the nothing. end, right? There's, There's nothing. nothing yeah. Yeah, and I, I agree. You'll never hear. That's just his thing. He'll never say something. He'll no. say something maybe passive, and you can read into some negativity, but he'll never overtly say anything. He's never. like the end of the tube of toothpaste where you're pushing it out, and every now and then you, you, you have a different angle. You squeeze it, and you go, oh, there's a little bit more left in this, <laughs> in this container than I thought. But you're like, no, it's mostly empty. And then, like, every now and then you're like, you're like oh, I only got a little this time. But then you twist it another way another time, and a little bit more comes out. That he, There will be moments and but, glimpses of the old Russ, but it's not there. But you know what? We saw this weekend two examples of two teams getting destroyed and two coaches who handle press conferences completely differently. Deion Sanders, I don't know if you guys saw any of the audio from his press conference. I thought he handled it very, very well. He said, we got our butt kicked. They dominated us in every facet of the game and we got to get better, there's things, blah, blah, blah. And you look at Sean Payton, first thing he comes out and says, I've been in the other side of it. <laughs> Come on, bro, you just gave up a 70 spot. We've never seen that unless it's college football. It's the Big 12! <laughs> exactly. Who, who was he, uh, who was the coach that recently used that line, but more effectively? Oh, it was Mike Tomlin. When Mike Tomlin undressed the reporter or dressed down the reporter for essentially not asking a question, yeah. just essentially yeah. get, making a declarative statement, and Tomlin said, do you have a question? That's what Peyton was trying to do, yeah. but it was just out of bitterness. You're right. That was a straight ripoff. Like, he totally <laughs> just copied his move, but he did it with, like, such vitriol and anger towards the guy. I, 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 know, we're yep. talk, I know we're talking Bengals coming up next, but uh, I got to tell you, I want to know, what did Deion Sanders do to Dan Lanning? Did he forget this was one of the ten greatest players in the history of the NFL played Major League Baseball? Man, that was personal with him against Colorado, particularly Dion. We're doing this for wins, not clicks. Yeah. One of the quotes from Mr. Lanning. When we return, Joe Burrow and the Bengals hosting the Rams. Mike Petralia joins us. He's on the Bengals beat. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, worlds are colliding here at VSIN and up for grabs a $1,000 voucher at Circa Sportsbook to be used on a Super Bowl futures ticket. And we've got a subscription contest going on. You can help us out. We're going to help you out. If you use the code SHARP right now to sign up for a VSIN annual subscription, you're going to get 40% off the regular price. It's a great deal. Use the code SHARP. Get 40% off right now. It's vsin.com slash subscribe. That's vsin.com slash subscribe. So you've got a double header tonight. Of course, the Eagles at the Bucks, And then you've got the Rams at the Bengals. To discuss that, we bring in here on Sharp Money, Mike Petralia, Jungle Roar podcast host, does a great job with CLNS, the media Bengals beat at Trags, T-R-A-G-S on Twitter. We say hi to Mike, and Mike will start here. The number, the Bengals lane three, the total is 45, but we have to start with the quarterback. What's your take on whether or not Joe Burrow gives it a go tonight? Uh, right now I would say yes, he's going to give it a go. Uh, he had a workout this morning for the team, uh, rested uh, midday, and he's going to have another workout before the game as part of the more routine pregame uh, regimen and if he passes that and he feels somewhat like he did uh, to start the second half against Baltimore, which is to say very agile, very nimble, very strong, that he will start tonight for the Cincinnati Bengals. Mike, how serious is the injury in the sense that he could potentially re-aggravate it or cause long-term damage towards this season for his own health? Well, I would say that there is, you know, the chance that he could re-injure it. Um, Certainly, they've acknowledged that. Joe Burrow himself has acknowledged that. Uh, but at that, at this point, is something they have admitted that they're going to have to manage the rest of the season. You know, hopefully they aggress aggressively treat it uh, in between the games. And, and he's a quick healer. And it uh, somehow, you know, miraculously heals on its own. But that's going to be hard to do. And I think they understand that dynamic, uh, that, you know, something like this really doesn't get better until – you have a full off season to not do anything uh, in terms of testing the explosiveness and the, you know, the plyometrics associated with playing that position and dancing around in the pocket. 
Mike Petralia joining us on the Bengals beat, of course. The Bengals host the Rams Monday Night Football tonight. Let's talk about the season thus far. 0-2 start. Uh, they've started slowly uh, under, obviously, the head coach. But the Browns beat them 24-3, kind of a listless performance there. And then 27-24 loss to the Ravens. Can you kind of encapsulate the season thus far for the Bengals? Pretty sluggish, pretty flat, which is surprising given this was a Super Bowl or boost season coming in, and that's all anyone associated with the organization talked about in the offseason, and, and for good reason. I mean, I think this team, you know, invested in some of the players that did, like, you know, a Logan Wilson, uh, like a Jermaine Pratt, and obviously they worked all summer long to get the Joe Burrow extension done. They got that done. Uh, and the understanding was, you know, there are a couple of players on this roster who may not be here next year. Someone like a T. Higgins, D.J. Reader. Uh, there are others, Cheeto Awuzie, their number one cornerback, uh, could not be here. So everything was Super Bowl or bust. And then they come out and don't and get beat up in the trenches uh, against the Cleveland Browns. That's really why they lost that game. They could not make any ground, uh, you know, with their run game. And certainly Joe Burrow looked like he hadn't played in eight months, which was the case coming off the calf injury. And then last week against Baltimore, they turned the ball over. In the red zone, uh, Joe Burrow committed that uh, turnover late in the first half. That was a killer because uh, that really changed the momentum of the game and really uh, gave Baltimore uh, some ability to let Lamar Jackson dictate the tempo, which is what the Ravens have been able to do over the years against the Bengals. Mike, when you look at this team, it seems like they're traditional slow starters under Zach Taylor. Is there anything that you could point to that really helps this team kind of ramp up as the season progresses and there's confidence that's going to happen this year? Yeah, Joe Burrow plays better. I mean, look, Joe Burrow is an elite quarterback, yeah. and I don't think anybody who's ever watched him doesn't uh, doubt that fact. I mean, he is elite. He's going to come around. This offense is going to come around. I think the big disappointment in the first two weeks, no question, has been the defense. They have given up an average of 190 yards, 190 on the ground to the Browns and Ravens. Now, you know, you're talking about a team that had Nick Chubb and the Cleveland Browns, and he was healthy. Uh, and then last week was Lamar Jackson. Uh, but what really, I think, bothered the Bengals last week is they couldn't get a handle on Justice Hill, uh, you know, and they couldn't really get a handle on Gus Edwards. Those are two guys that should not be gashing you and should not be getting to the edge of the uh, defensive line as easily as the Ravens were able to last week. That's got to change. The Bengals' defense in the trenches has got to be better against the run. The Rams don't run the ball very well or very much, so you would figure that plays in the Bengals' favor tonight. Uh, and I think, you know, it goes without saying, Trey Hendrickson, Joseph Asai, who returns tonight from a right ankle sprain in the preseason, uh, and Sam Hubbard, they have to get after Matthew Stafford tonight and put some pressure on a quarterback who loves to fling the ball around the field. Patrick, to Mike, Mike I'm yeah, just going to add real quick, uh, Puka Nakua questionable in this one for the Rams at wide receiver. Yep, and he's been awesome, yeah, the rookie, he, thus far. Go ahead, Mike. That, yeah, and I think he's going to play from everything uh, that I've been told before the game that uh, I would expect him to be on the field. And, you know, he's somebody that uh, was is like a Cooper Cup, and the Bengals saw what he, Cooper Cup could do in Super Bowl 56. And, you know, one thing uh, Zach Taylor told us this week, told me this week, was that uh, Cooper, that uh, Sean McVay has not really changed his offensive scheme and how they like to spread the ball. They're very well-conceived offense. And, you know, with Matthew Stafford back there, somebody who is intimately uh, familiar with the way Sean McVay wants to run or wants to pass the ball around the field, uh, I would expect, uh, you know, the rookie to uh, do but get a lot of targets. I don't know if he'll get 20 targets like he did against the 49ers, but he's going to get the targeted quite a bit uh, tonight against the Bengals. Mike, with so much of the focus on Burrow in the offense, I'm glad you brought up the defense. It's kind of been unheralded over this nice little run for the Bengals. Uh, you point to uh, the deficiencies against the run. What has been the word out of Bengals camp as far as uh, – picking up the defense and correcting some of these mistakes? Well, not letting running backs get in space. The big problem for the Bengals has been misfitting gaps. Their linebackers have been uh, uncharacteristically missing fifths in their run defense. Logan Wilson, who's usually exceptionally good at that, has missed a couple of key ones that allowed a, 
allow a couple of big runs. Uh, and Jermaine Pratt has missed a couple. And, you know, in a case like last week, got it, Gus Edwards got to the edge, and uh, rookie safety Jordan Battle um, missed, uh, got wrapped up in a block and left Edwards all alone on the edge, and he was able to run out for 15 yards. And those are the kind of mistakes uh, that can't happen, and that's kind of what happens when you have a rookie out there on the field. Because And, and why was Jordan Battle out there? Nick Scott, the former Ram, was in concussion protocol, but he, Nick Scott, is expected to be out of protocol tonight and be able to play against his former team. Mike, last week I advocated for the Bengals as a pretty good bet at about 4-1 to one to 5-1 to one to win the division. Ravens have a bad loss to the Colts yesterday. Uh, Browns are sitting at 2-1. and one. Obviously, they lose Nick Chubb. And then, of course, the Steelers are 2-1. and one. Tell me how you kind of see the rest of this division playing out with the Bengals having 15 games and the other teams having 14 remaining. Tonight, have a chance to get healthy quick because they have the Tennessee Titans on the road next week. Then they have Arizona, which I'm fully aware they beat Dallas uh, pretty pretty handily yesterday. I watched a lot of that game. Um, and then they have Seattle at home. That That is a very winnable game. The Bengals have the chance to get healthy quick. they got to start with one game, and that's tonight. I think they do. I think the Bengals will be able to turn things around because uh, I have always been someone who believes in the roster. When the roster is as good as the Bengals roster is, I believe, uh, I think the Bengals will eventually find their level ground and level water, whatever you know, metaphor you want to use. And I think uh, the Bengals will get things going in the right direction starting tonight. That's exactly what we needed. Bit of a prediction there. You heard Mike Petralia say he feels the Bengals correct it tonight and beat the Rams. Jungle Roar podcast. Of course, he's the host. Uh, mingle uh, the media Bengals beat as well at trags t-r-a-g-s on twitter thank you mike needed the information and we got it thank you very much my pleasure anytime guys have thank a good one you too thank you okay so i didn't even have to ask at the end he kind of volunteered exactly what he thought and we've said this ad nauseum on the show but if you're looking for those that cover the teams to be intimately knowledgeable as far as what a team's going through go to the beat and he feels like the Bengals are going to bounce back. We just got a text from Steve. Uh, did you want to comment? He wants to talk about the volatility tonight with Burrow. Uh, Fezzik's going to be joining us, uh, big guy, in just a bit. Professional handicapper wants to talk about the volatility tonight with Bengals and Burrow. Yeah, and I think a lot of the stuff we're all speculating and talking about, Steve will probably bring some practicality to the conversation. I think he probably has a, a way to bet this game that we're probably all overthinking as I have a Rams plus three ticket in pocket. <laughs> so you're, you're hoping to go one way. When we return, some coaching decisions over the weekend that were suspect. We'll get to those and hear from Josh McDaniels as well. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiments and Billy made raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to catch you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. 
It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now Lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, we're back with another week of football. DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action. Of course, new bettors can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. You throw $5 down on any of this week's epic matchups and you walk away an instant winner. Football is more fun when you're in on the action, so download the DraftKings app now and sign up with the code SHARP. New customers can bet just $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with the code SHARP. The crown is yours. It's time for some self-reflection. I'm smart enough and doggone it. People like me. Looking back at the right. 60% of the time, it works every time. The wrong. Jeez, I'm an idiot. And everything in between. Your voice in my head. Your voice in mine. Why can't I get rid of you? Staring at his reflection, taking a look at the man in the mirror, here is Amal Shaw. <laughs> All right, there it is. Tremendous intro there as we welcome you back. Amal Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson. I'm Patrick Maher. I thought this would be a perfect time to work in Amal's man in the mirror because... He's got three points he wants to make. Your survivor lessons from the weekend, likability is as important as ability. Uh, But coaches are dumb. So why don't we let you start there with coaches are dumb as your second point, and then we'll discuss some of the coaching decisions over the weekend. Uh, Let's start on Sunday with Robert Sala just continuing to go with Zach Wilson. He said he gives us the best chance to win. My God, he must not be trying to win. I can't believe Tim Boyle is a worse quarterback than Zach Wilson under any circumstance. Maybe somebody somewhere has seen more out of Zach Wilson in practice than we have and is better than uh, Tim Boyle, but that remains a mystery to me. But I want to really get to two coaches I have some issues with this weekend. One is in the National Football League, Josh McDaniels. We briefly touched upon it on the show, and we talked about this off-air as well. Josh McDaniels had three different scenarios in the fourth quarter to make different decisions, and I thought he kind of fumbled them every time. The Raiders are down 16 points with about 11, 12 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. It's fourth down and five. They've got a monster kicker in Daniel Carson. Carlson. They decide to forego the field goal attempt, cut the lead to 13. Patrick, the reason why I was advocating the field goal at that point in time is you alleviate the pressure of having to make both two-point conversions because if you miss one of them, you're still going to need another possession. Put it into a scenario where a two-touchdown score gives you the win or the lead in that scenario. Doesn't do that. Then late in the game, Just outside of the two-minute warning, about two and change. They have all three timeouts plus the two-minute warning coming up. It's fourth down and about five or six. They decide to go with a field goal. They had a false start, pushed them back to fourth and six, kicks the field goal, makes it a 23, I believe, 18 game at that point in time. Remember, if Pittsburgh gets a first down, the game's going to be virtually over. And he decides to go for the field goal. They wind up with a five-point loss. They get the football back with 12 seconds remaining after the punt was kicked by Harvin for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And as we know, this team did not go uh, 88 yards for the touchdown. Let's hear from Josh McDaniels defending the move to kick the field goal in the postgame yesterday. Yeah, going for it. Of and course. What was the thought process? Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, I thought we, um, you know, you have two choices there. You know, you try to make it a five-point game where you have an opportunity to win it with a touchdown if you get the ball back, you know, or you try to, you know, uh, go for it there and then, if you if you if you happen to convert, then you got to make the two point conversion. All the rest of it. So um, you know, just 
those are the decisions you got to make. You know, I thought we did a decent job of putting ourselves in third down there the next series with the defense to try to have a play to get off the field, and we just wouldn't handle that play very well. <clears throat> no, no. You're going to need another possession anyway. You know what I mean? So it is, it's, uh, it's not a lack of confidence. You know, we went for it multiple times. Josh, you're down <clears throat> 16. All right. There's Josh McDaniels. You know, the crazy part about that was he got a reprieve when the 48-yarder that he kicked that he shouldn't have kicked was negated by a Steelers phantom yeah. call on the field goal attempt. So they got another opportunity with the ball in the red zone. And then fourth and four, eight-yard line of the Steelers, they kicked a field goal to cut it to five. None of it. And even analytically, like we can talk about the Brandon Staley decision to go for it in his own territory. Uh, but analytically, you know, some would argue what Staley did was correct. Analytically, if you look at uh, what McDaniels did, boys, incorrect. Whichever angle you want to dissect it. Yeah, I would agree with you. I still think it was a bad decision overall. And then I thought he made another bad decision. When the Steelers got the ball back after the field goal, they were facing a third down and two at their own 33-yard line. And the Raiders took a timeout after the second down and five play in which Najee Harris got three yards. So it set up a third down and two, two minutes and 12 seconds remaining. Patrick, they should not have taken the timeout there. And it was so important not to because what it would have done was it would have forced a third down and two on the other side of the two-minute warning. You would have only lost 12 seconds of actual game clock. But what it would have done is forced Pittsburgh to run the ball. I don't think the Steelers would have thrown the football in that situation because that would have put them in a situ in a scenario where if it's incomplete, you give the Raiders an extra timeout in their pocket. They would have run the ball, and you would have had a better chance of stopping them and said the Steelers complete the pass. Easy completion there, and they win the football game. And so to me, that was a huge mistake by Josh McDaniels. One final coaching note on Saturday night, and I know a lot of people were involved in this game, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Buckeyes laying three, pretty much universally. There might have been some three and a half, so you were eliminated in that scenario. But if you were laying three when the Buckeyes scored a touchdown, they put one second back on the clock. I thought it was a absolutely egregious decision by Ryan Day to kick the extra point. And I'm saying this as a guy who had the Buckeyes minus three. To me, he should have taken a knee. There's a greater chance of a blocked punt, uh, extra point return for two points than the Buckeyes kicking the ball out of bounds on the kickoff and Notre Dame going 65 yards for a touchdown to win the game. You are never getting beat by a field goal in that scenario. There's just not enough time for a field goal to occur. Brent Musburger, I was on with him yesterday. He said, well, what happens if there's a penalty? Here's the thing. You're probably throwing a Hail Mary or it's going to be a lateral play. Highly unlikely that you're going to wind up with a penalty in that scenario. If you do a face mask, do we really believe that Notre Dame would have matriculated the ball down the field 40 yards and then they kick a field goal to be able to win the game? I thought the Ryan Day post-game interview exposed him as an emotional maniac. <laughs> like, what is that is a person unfit for the job emotionally. Lou Holtz? Look, I don't even care. He was going after, obviously, Lou Holtz, who's 86 years old. Yeah. That's one thing. But the idea that he just absolutely lost his composure and came across emotionally, maniacally, was weird. Weird. I, I think the guys from New Hampshire, I don't think he realized when he took this job and makes $9.5 million a year that the type of pressure that comes with being the head coach at Ohio State. It, the, the, I mean, you have more pressure than the governor in the state of Ohio because at least as the governor, 50% of the people hate you. But when you are the head coach at Ohio State, whether you're in Toledo, Cleveland, uh, Athens, Ohio, Cincinnati, the entire state's focal point is the Buckeyes. And, and I got to tell you, it seemed like a guy that emotionally exploded after that game after getting the win. And I'm going to tell you, Lou Holtz is not wrong. This team... Their execution on fourth and one is generally terrible. They couldn't punch it at the one-yard line. They run a Mecca Egg Buka on a jet sweep, a terrible play call. You got Chip Trainum and Travion Henderson. Get up there and man up and run the ball. If you can't get a yard in football, then you probably don't deserve to win the football game. Yeah, Ryan Day sounds like another loss to Michigan away from having some Urban Meyer-sized headaches. <laughs> <laughs> and Marcus Freeman, whose team played well, uh, he's got a good look about him, but... How can Notre Dame have 10 guys on the field oh. the last two plays? That is completely unforgivable. You're absolutely right about that. And the way he handled the press conference, I thought, you know, look, at least they said eventually that we should have jumped off sides and given them half the distance to the goal and run the situation like that. But you're absolutely right. Terrible, terrible decision by uh, Notre Dame there. 
Okay. Uh, uh, Man in the Mirror, Amal Shaw. How about some survivor lessons from the weekend? You know, uh, you guys, Samit, yourself, and Dustin and myself, we were on, well, all of us were on Jacksonville. And the one thing that I generally try to do is avoid teams playing a division opponent. The familiarity always causes these types of upsets. And we all talked about Seattle. And the concern for us was that Andy Dalton was going to play instead of Bryce Young. And I'll tell you, we weren't wrong on Andy Dalton. The Red Rifle had a fantastic football game against that Seattle team. But at the end of the day, having to go to Seattle with this team, I thought the, the Carolina defense would play better than they did. They did end up giving up 37 points, which is horrific in this scenario. But Dalton was 34 for 58, 361 and two touchdowns. Not a bad performance at all. Gave his team an opportunity to win the game. And if you told me before it started that the Panthers were scoring 27 points, I would have said the Seahawks are set with a loss. So, I mean, I'll, I'll live with the result. I still thought Jacksonville had a great opportunity needed the game after the poor performance against Kansas City, but they did not play well at home, and that was a bad loss for them against the Houston Texans team who looks like they might be on the rise. Okay. And finally, man in the mirror, likability. As important as ability. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I was talking to someone at Showtime, and they were talking about sometimes when people are likable, they get jobs and certain opportunities that they probably don't deserve just because people get along well with them. And you see it sometimes in coaching. And I said this about Alex Grinch the other night when it was USC Arizona State. Him and uh, Lincoln Riley are about the same age. Lincoln Riley's 40 years old. Uh, Alex Grinch is 43 years old. The problem for USC continues to be their defense. They made that Arizona State team with Drew Pine look like they had a competent offense and they kept them in that football game. USC wins 42-28. If the Trojans don't figure something out quick, they better make a change at the end of the season from Alex Grinch to a new defensive coordinator. Okay, great stuff from all. Man in the mirror on a Monday when we return. Professional handicapper, two-time Super Contest winner Steve Fezzik joins us and he's fired up. Sharp money on a Monday. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.